0: section 8 of the essays of samuel johnson this is a librivox recording while librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox.org the essays of samuel johnson section 8 the dangers and miseries of literary eminence saturday may the 12th 1750 Multis dicendi coquia et mortifera est facundia. Juvenal. Some who the depths of eloquence have found in that unnavigable stream were drowned. Dryden. Sir, so, I am the modest young man whom you favoured with your advice in a late paper. And as i am very far from suspecting that you foresaw the numberless inconveniencies which i have by following it brought upon myself i would lay my condition open before you for you seem bound to extricate me from the perplexities in which your counsel however innocent in the intention has contributed to involve me you told me as you thought to my comfort that a writer might easily find means of introducing his genius to the world where the presses of England were open, footnote Johnson Boswell, all the complaints which are made of the world are unjust. I never knew a man of merit neglected. It was generally by his own fault that he failed of success. There is no reason why any person should exert himself for a man who has written a good book. He has not written it for any individual hills boswell volume four page one seven two and a footnote this i have now fatally experienced the press is indeed open faculis descensis averni noctes at patet pat atri janua ditis juvenile the gates of hell are open night and day, Smooth the descent, and easy as the way, Dryden. The means of doing hurt to ourselves are always at hand. I immediately sent to a printer, And contracted with him for an impression Of several thousands of my pamphlet. While I was at the press, I was seldom absent from the printing-house, And continually urged the workmen to haste. By solicitations promises and rewards from the day all other pleasures were excluded by the delightful employment of correcting the sheets and from the night sleep generally was banished by anticipation of the happiness which every hour was bringing nearer at last the time of publication approached and my heart beat with the raptures of an author I was above all little precautions and in defiance of envy or of criticism set my name upon the title without sufficiently considering that what has once passed the press is irrevocable and that though the printing-house may properly be compared to the infernal regions for the facility of its entrance and the difficulty with which authors return from it yet there is this difference that a great genius can never return to his former state by a happy draught of the waters of oblivion, I am now, Mr. Ramler, known to be an author, and am condemned, irreversibly condemned, to all the miseries of high reputation. The first morning after publication, my friends assembled about me. I presented each, as is usual, with a copy of my book they looked into the first pages but were hindered by their admiration from reading further the first pages are indeed very elaborate some passages they particularly dwelt upon as more eminently beautiful than the rest and some delicate strokes and secret elegancies i pointed out to them which had escaped their observation I then begged of them to forbear their compliments, and invited them, I could do no less, to dine with me at a tavern. After dinner the book was resumed, but their praises very often so much overpowered my modesty that I was forced to put about the glass, and had often no means of repressing the clamours of their admiration, but by thundering to the drawer for another bottle, Next morning, another set of my acquaintance congratulated me upon my performance with such importunity of praise that I was again forced to obviate their civilities by a treat. On the third day, I had yet a greater number of applauders to put to silence in the same manner. And on the fourth, those whom I had entertained the first day came again, having in the perusal of the remaining part of the book. Discovered so many forcible sentences and masterly touches that it was impossible for me to bear the repetition of their commendations. I therefore persuaded them once more to adjourn to the tavern and choose some other subject on which I might share in their conversation. But it was not in their power to withhold their attention from my performance, which had so entirely taken possession of their minds that no entreaties of mine. Could change their topic, and I was obliged to stifle with claret the praise which neither my modesty could hinder nor my uneasiness repress. The whole week was thus spent in a kind of literary revel, and I have now find that nothing is so expensive as great abilities unless there is joined with them an insatiable eagerness of praise for to escape from the pain of hearing myself above the greatest names dead and living of the learned world it has already cost me two hogsheads of port fifteen gallons of arrack, ten dozen of claret and five and forty bottles of champagne i was resolved to stay at home no longer and therefore rose early and went to the coffee-house but found that i had now made myself too eminent for happiness and that i was no longer to enjoy the pleasure of mixing upon equal terms with the rest of the world as soon as i enter the room i see part of the company raging with envy which they endeavor to conceal sometimes with the appearance of laughter and sometimes with that of contempt but the disguise is such that i can discover the secret rancor of their hearts and as envious deservedly its own punishment, I frequently indulge myself in tormenting them with my presence but Though there may be some slight satisfaction received from the mortification of my enemies, yet my benevolence will not suffer me to take any pleasure in the terrors of my friends. I have been cautious since the appearance of my work not to give myself more premeditated airs of superiority than the most rigid humility might allow it is indeed not impossible that i may sometimes have laid down my opinion in a manner that showed a consciousness of my ability to maintain it or interrupted the conversation when i saw its tendency without suffering the speaker to waste his time in explaining his sentiments and indeed i did indulge myself for two days in a custom of drumming with my fingers when the company began to lose themselves in absurdities or to encroach upon subjects which i knew them unqualified to discuss but i generally acted with great appearance of respect even to those whose stupidity i pitied in my heart yet notwithstanding this exemplary moderation so universal is the dread of uncommon powers, and such the unwillingness of mankind to be made wiser, that I have now for some days found myself shunned by all my acquaintance. If I knock at a door, nobody is at home. If I enter a coffee-house, I have the box to myself. I live in the town like a lion in his desert, or an eagle on his rock too great for friendship or society and condemned to solitude by unhappy elevation and dreaded ascendancy nor is my character only formidable to others but burdensome to myself I naturally love to talk without much thinking scatter my merriment at random and to relax my thoughts with ludicrous remarks and fanciful images But such is now the importance of my opinion that I am afraid to offer it lest by being established too hastily into a maxim It should be the occasion of error to half the nation And such is the expectation with which I am attended when I am going to speak I frequently pause to reflect whether what I am about to utter is worthy of myself. This sir, uh, is sufficiently miserable, but there are still greater calamities behind. You must have read in Pope and Swift how men of parts have had their closets rifled and their cabinets broken open at the instigation of piratical booksellers for the profit of their works and it is apparent that there are many prints now sold in the shops of men whom you cannot suspect of sitting for that purpose and whose likenesses must have been certainly stolen when their names made their faces vendable. these considerations at first put me on my guard and i have indeed found sufficient reason for my caution for I have discovered many people examining my countenance with a curiosity that showed their intention to do it. I immediately left the house, but find the same behaviour in another. Others may be persecuted, but I am haunted. I have good reason to believe that eleven painters are now dogging me, for they know that he who can get my face first. Will make his fortune i often change my wig and wear my hat over my eyes by which i hope somewhat to confound them for you know it is not fair to sell my face without admitting me to share the profit i am however not so much in pain for my face as for my papers which i dare neither carry with me nor leave behind i have indeed taken some measures for their preservation having put them in an iron chest and fixed a padlock upon my closet i change my lodgings five times a week and always remove at the dead of night thus i live in consequence of having given two great proofs of a predominant genius in the solitude of a hermit with the anxiety of a miser and the caution of an outlaw afraid to show my face lest it should be copied afraid to speak lest I should injure my character and to write lest my correspondents should publish my letters always uneasy lest my servants should steal my papers for the sake of money or my friends for that of the public this it is to soar above the rest of mankind and this representation i lay before you that i may be informed how to divest myself of the laurels which are so cumbersome to the wearer and descend to the enjoyment of that quiet from which i find a writer of the first class so fatally debarred Miscellos. End of section 8.